This podcast does not constitute medical advice. All changes surrounding medications, diet and exercise should be made in consultation with a professional who can assess your unique health circumstances. Welcome to the Patterson Program, where you'll learn how to improve your health from the inside out. And now, your host, Clint Patterson. Today, I've got a wonderful man that I met when I was over in Anaheim putting on an event, and he's the son of a lovely lady who's part of our support group. And his name's Matt, and he's a chiropractor, and he is going to talk about chiropractic and rheumatoid arthritis. G'day, Matt. Hey, Clint. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. We're going to be covering some stuff that we've uh, not done before here on the podcast. We're going to be talking about ways in which your profession and you in particular uh, help people who have rheumatoid. So tell us a little bit about, you know, how you help people with rheumatoid. Well, rheumatoid arthritis is a delicate condition, as I'm sure you and your viewers know. But the main way that I help people with rheumatoid arthritis is it's not just a one one thing that, that does it. I do it through a combination of both chiropractic care done in a specific manner, utilization of manual therapy like massage therapy for different joints and things like that because people with RA have lots of problems with their joints. And then dietary changes must be done. If the diet's not under control, uh, to be blunt, nothing else will work. Yes, that's certainly what we find is that everything's just you know, working against you with rheumatoid, it's like sitting on a, on a slippery slide at the play set when you're a kid and the gravity's trying to pull you <laughs> down. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. Unless you've got lots of grip on your shoes, you're only going to go down that slide. Faster and faster. So that's it. That's it. Now, I've got lots of friends who are chiropractors. Actually, the college that I went and stayed at when I was at university was full of buddies who were chiros and they were all studying to be chiropractic. And to this day, I must, you know, still have four close friends who are chiropractors who live back mm. in Australia. So I know as a patient how chiropractic works, but I, I you know, very interested to, to learn from you how it works from the practitioner perspective, especially since, you know, it can get complicated, as you said. So Absolutely. What's, how, how do you go about it and, and how does it work? Well, with chiropractic, it all revolves around the principle that our bodies are designed to be healthy, you know, plain and simple. For example, you have your breakfast and your body takes your breakfast and literally will be turning it into living tissue. You know, your body is self-healing and self-replicating. So with chiropractic, what we do is that we have a main focus of the spine. You know, there are a lot of other things that chiropractors have the ability to delve into with uh, nutrition, exercise, physiotherapy, things of that nature. But chiropractic at its core is about spinal health. And the reason why we look to the spine is that the spine is the foundation for movement and also protects all of your nerves. Now, these nerves, they go to every cell, every muscle, every everything in your body. So when we have stress, now, all different types of stress, physical stress, like falling down the slide, yeah. um, emotional stress, which can knock things out of place, just like a car accident, and chemical stress, you know, the foods and the things that we're putting into our body. Whenever there is more stress than our body can adapt to, 
what can happen is that the spine can lose its proper alignment. Now, Mm -hmm. when that happens, first thing you lose is mobility. Things get stiff. You can't twist, turn, bend, and move. Muscles will react accordingly by spasming and getting tight for various reasons, but it also can affect the nerves that exit the spine. Now, when you affect the nerves through irritation and or compression, whatever that nerve is doing can't do its job right. So what we do is that we look for the areas of the spine that aren't functioning well, maybe irritating the nerves, and then give what's called a chiropractic adjustment to help reposition the vertebra, take pressure off the nerve, and allow the body the opportunity to do its job right. Fantastic. That's really what it comes down to. Fantastic. Well, I know that, you know, when we first met, you came and attended the seminar with your mom, and Mm. she just almost said, look, you've got to talk to Matt. He's done so much for me. And so you have obviously influenced her progress tremendously. You demonstrated... You demonstrated on her arm in front of me some pressure points and things like this that took me back to my own experience because my wife and I found that with my elbow problems, pressing onto the forearms, just the soft tissue, not into the joint on the forearms gave me tremendous relief. So we know that this really works. And other clients have said their chiropractor offers them great relief. One of our uh, clients, Mark in Melbourne, goes to the chiropractor a lot, gets tremendous relief. So Mm. I'm keen for you to explore more. Take us a little bit further into this. Where should we go from here? Should we talk about specifics or demonstrations? What do you think? One of the biggest things with, at least from my, because I not only work on my mother, but I have a lot of other people that I have the opportunity to help you know, that, that they come in for neck pain, back pain, or they, they come in just because they don't know what, what to do next. Yes. Like, because the word doctor actually means teacher. So what that means is half of my job is doing my specialty and helping people through chiropractic adjustments. But the other half of my job is education and teaching the people about options, about things that they have the power and the ability to take control of themselves, do something about it. So one of the biggest things that I see with rheumatoid arthritis is because it is such a total body type of condition, you have aches, pains, pain that's going into the shoulder, you can't sleep at night, Um, pain that's going in the hand, things that just aren't going away. Now, absolutely, there are a a lot of symptoms and a lot of problems that are from the rheumatoid directly. Now, rheumatoid pain, as someone who has experience with actually feeling that, is quite different than other pain. It is. It's totally yeah. unique. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> you know, uh, the description that I hear most is that it feels like you have broken glass in your joints. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that's a scary thought. I mean, growing up, we've all stepped on a piece of glass and <laughs> the world ends, perhaps, you know, <laughs> until you get that glass out of your foot. But with rheumatoid, you can't, as yeah. far as unless you do the right thing. Yep. But what I do see, though, as far as we get back on track, is that people that have rheumatoid also have other problems. If you have an elephant in the room that is creating a big problem, it's very easy to attribute all the other messes to that big problem. Yep. And forgetting that there can be other things that are there, too. Now, with rheumatoid, because, of it, is such a, because it affects so many things in our body, it can give such a wide array of what it Uh, symptoms, what you feel. So what I find though, is that a lot of symptoms that may be a byproduct of, 
of things that Ari has done to people's body yep. are actually not the rheumatoid giving the, the pain. Totally agree. You know? Yep. But the thing is, is that when you're in so much pain all the time, you know, it's different for everybody, but the one thing that that's in common is that, you know, it's, it's terrible. You know, it's, it's, uh, you know, one of the worst health conditions I've, I, I've seen, but one thing that I, that I see is that when someone's in that much pain and they have done so many things that haven't worked, it really just takes the wind out of people's sails and, uh, you know, demotivates them in their drive to, to help themselves. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so with chiropractic, I've found that with rheumatoid, so much of the symptoms go to the hands and the wrists, yep. right? So it's logical to look at the things that can affect the hands and the wrists. Now, the nerves that go, go to the hands and the wrists, most of the time come out of the bottom of your neck. Right. So, okay. You know, so when you have one of those misalignments that we were talking about earlier, if it's also affecting one of those nerves, if it's affecting the nerve that goes to the muscles of the forearm that attach to the hand, it's logical to say that it could be affecting it. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So yep. With, with my mother being in the condition that she was, you know, I did everything in my power to, to try and help. You know, to tr- like, how, how do we change this? Because this, <laughs> this just can't be. <laughs> so with, with all the background that I've done with all the schools, studying research, you know, that, that's one thing that, that we have in common. My, my mother was sending me some articles that you were reviewing. She's like, I don't understand any of this. Can you explain it to me? You know, but, but we do our due diligence. We do our research, and we use the talents that we've been given to find a solution. So I, I look at the bottom neck, and if we see that there's a problem there, then I go ahead and I, and I do some adjustments for my mom as far as, and my other patients. But again, I'm seeing a, a trend among people that have RA they tend to have similar spots within one or two levels in the spine. You know, so once or twice, that may be a coincidence, but I'm having dozens of people that it's all kind of the same area. Now that's not to say that that's the same with everybody, but you have to look. Yes. So one of the things I find most remarkable that I've seen quite a few times is I've adjusted some spots in the lower part of the mid back, lower than the shoulder blades. You know, for women, it's more so like around where their bra line sits in the back. Okay. You know, so with my mother, I've adjusted the ninth thoracic, which is just around that region. Mm-hmm. And then I adjust that. And then she stands up and her hands that couldn't close, close. See, that's incredible. That's, that's not to say that yeah. that happens with everybody. Yeah. But you know, when you see a change like that, you keep looking. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, just to sort of add to that for people who might be raised eyebrows thinking, what what I used to find, and I know we're going to get to this because this was what just captured my imagination when we met, is that for my elbows, which were both affected and such difficult joints to fix because the elbows are such complex joints with so many connective tissues and things, and it's just very complex joint. And the guy who did my synovectomy, the surgeon said that he only does elbows. Uh, He said, because they're so complex, his whole career is just elbows, right? So that's, it's taken him a lifetime to Mm. become the expert at surgeries on elbows. Now, anyway, so what Melissa used to do is she would press on my forearm Mm. about an inch away from where it joins the actual joint on the inside. So if you're watching this on uh, on video, then if that's my elbow joint, she would be pressing in this region 
here on the forearm. And that's because the bicep's attached there. Right, right. The muscle in, in this part of your arm attaches down through here. Yeah, but, but she was pushing on the forearm side of the elbow. Mm. And these muscles probably were part of a larger collection of, of tissues that were very tight. But, you know, what I'm getting at is the connective tissue was playing such a large part of not just the inflammation, but the pain. Yeah. So one thing that, sorry, my dogs are jumping up. (laughs) Uh, One thing that is very easy to be done, just like what you were mentioning, either to yourself or to have a family member do it or a friend, is that you can do tissue work just like that. You know, because again, the muscles that, that that go down into the hands are on the back and the front of your forearm. So when a muscle has been injured, let's just Mm -hmm. say that, the muscle tissue literally can get tangled. Okay. So people will call that a knot. Yes. So the way, the way a muscle works is that when it contracts and it shortens, the fibers slide and that is what gives you movement. Okay. So when you have an injury to that area, those fibers can get twisted and knotted up just a little bit. Now, right. one thing that goes with that is that you'll get inflammation, which I'm sure, which most of us are all too <laughs> aware of, yeah. that you'll get inflammation around that spot that's tangled. So it will hurt when you poke it. It does. Yes, exactly right. Yep. Right. So one, one thing that, that we have the capability of doing, and so do every person really does, is that they can help untangle those spots together and allow the movement to come back, which will allow some of the inflammation that has turned chronic to get out. So the way you do that is that mm-hmm. it's a pin and stretch. Okay, good. Right? Yes. So what you'll do is that you'll, you can feel your own muscles because yep. your body will tell you a lot. Yep. So if you take your own hand, now if you can't use these fingers, then use another one. And if you can't use any of them, find a friend who has five that, that, that's all in it. <laughs> or a son. <laughs> or a son or a daughter or whatever. But because rheumatoid tends to affect these fingers yeah. more yeah. commonly, the thumb is usually the best one we got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can just take your thumb and place it on the back of your forearm. Now the muscles run up and down the arm. They run along the arm. So if you take your thumb, press into it lightly, not with so much pressure that's causing you pain. Now, one thing like you have mentioned in some of your seminars, there's a difference between pain and discomfort. Yeah. Yep. Right. Yep. So discomfort is okay. Pain is not. Mm-hmm. So you want to start the muscle out in a shortened position. So we're going to, you want to bend the, bend the elbow, whatever you get, or bend the wrist, whatever you can do it. If you can bend here, great. If you can bend here, great. That's fine. Wherever you're at, that, that'll work. So you, so you pin it as far as you press. I'm use these fingers so you can see. Yeah. You, you pin that spot that yes. is a little bit sore when you press into it. Yes. Now, with holding that pressure, you're going to move that joint just through some of that range of motion. Oh, like you hold it down. You're Almost. holding, you're right. pinning, pinning and it? moving. Okay, pin, so move. you're attempting to stretch it whilst it's under a pinned or a compressed state. Yes, active movement. Actively. Active movement. Right. You must intentionally move that muscle to help with the blood flow. And also there's other things that why yeah. we do that. But yeah. Okay. Right. Right. Okay. So once again, let's say we have a muscle here on my forearm. Mm-hmm. So what I can do, if I can try and demonstrate this, I might move. And the it. meat of the muscle is, is, is in this section, 
right? It's, it's in the meat of your forearm. Yeah, in the meat of the forearm. So let's say I had a problem there. I would push yeah. here and then push hard and then move back, back up. And I can feel yeah. it attempting to to push, you know, to, to make that stretch. To move. Yeah. And I can feel, you know, even now, even though the joint has no inflammation, I can still feel, and I'm sure most people can, pressure points throughout the body that you can find. All over. It's common, right? Our body's full of these yeah. pressure points, aren't they? We're covered in these muscles. And when you have multiple joint issues, the problems can be in lots of different places. So you can be getting manual therapy or, or massage therapy from someone who knows what they're doing. That's really important because hmm. anything that you can do right, you can also do wrong. So yep. it's important to listen to your body. If it doesn't feel right, don't. Yep. Yes. Yes. Know? But with, with these passes that, that we're doing into the forearms and other muscles, yep. a general rule of thumb is to, is to make three or five passes, like three to five, yep. in about two, two spots per muscle. Okay, right. Not to go yeah. crazy. You don't want to overdo it. Yeah. Because, I, because you, you can. You can. Well, I got to say that this is an insight for me because my tendency is to go hard at anything. And if it thinks I think I'm onto something and I if it's a dose of a supplement, I used to mega dose. And if it was an exercise and it seemed to be working, yeah. I would do it every day for months, right? Yeah. But I must say that I feel like, let me give you a specific example. You know those rollers that you can get at foam the gym? Roller. The foam rollers, right? The, the, the hard foam tubes that are about yay big. That's it? Okay. Uh-huh. So on multiple occasions, I have used those in a large, a large session, 20 minutes on rollers all over my legs and everything. We can talk a little bit about that if you'd like. I'd if love to. Let's talk about life. these rollers because I found sometimes it does amazing things. Like on my neck, if I had little problems, I would lie and, and just 30 seconds, neck feel amazing the next day. Big muscles, 20 minutes on the legs, the quads, the and yeah, not right the next day, something not mm-hmm. good. So definitely so, keen to get your thoughts on that. Okay, so as with all tools, a foam roller is a tool. And in order to achieve the results that someone's trying to get, it must be used right. So with the roller, a general rule of thumb is that you want to keep the passes between five to ten. You don't want to be overdoing it, especially when we have a body that is reactive. Yep. You know, when something when it hurts, it really hurts. But mm-hmm. one other tip that I can that I, I can give you is when you're on the roller, try to maintain a good posture. Okay. So when you're rolling out, let's say the the mid back. Yeah. Right. It's not something that you want to try and arch over to get that motion, because although that can feel good at the time, yeah, it's it can create more problems later on, like you were mentioning. Hmm. Hmm. One other thing with that is, while we're using the roller on, particularly our 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 back, you may hear pops and cracks and things like that. Uh, that's just pressure changing in the joint. It in itself is not a bad thing. But again, it, you have to have the proper posture. So a good, you know, what, what I tell my patients that don't know how to use a roller that are wanting, can, can I do something? Yeah. You know, a great thing to do is either meet with a physical therapist, because that's, that's more so in their wheelhouse, mm-hmm. um, or some chiropractors use, use that too. But mm-hmm. having a, just a sit down and going through how to, how to do that. But it can be extremely helpful on, on different muscles and such. 
if you're going to be using the roller to help with hips, back, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's typically two kinds of rollers. There's ones that are that are flat and, and cylindrical. Yes. Those are more appropriate for for our backs and things like that, where there are other ones that have knobby bits yeah. all along them. Yes, knobs all yeah. over them. Yeah. Those are, are helpful for larger muscle groups, but kind of along the same same guidelines as what we were talking about with the, the muscle work, it, it can be overdone. So yeah. for someone who's starting with a roller, I would definitely recommend using a flat one as opposed to one that has knobby bits, frankly, because it'll be, it'll be safer. It'll be less likely to have a flare-up as a result of using yeah. the roller. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good, good, good. Okay, so and five passes maximum if you're rolling on them. Just like, for instance, with my quads, I would be five to ten. Five to ten. Yeah. Five to ten. So I'd be face down in sort of a like uh, like hands like this and just roll my body back and forth. Mm -hmm. Five to ten. Good, good. Because you know I'm watching other guys and trying to just pick up what other people are doing, and some people are like watching TV on them for fifteen minutes. You know what I mean? And I'm thinking, yeah, yeah. For some people, that may not cause an issue, but again, right. with yeah. with people who have these neck and shoulder and issues yeah. like that, it's always it's always better to err on the side of caution because you can always do less and go back and do more, but you can't do more and go back and do less. Yes, good, right. Now you did mention before the concept of pain referral. Yeah. With adjustments into the sort of the brass strap position, you said uh, can re- refer straight down through into the wrist. Have you seen anything else like this with a concept of referrals? And I'm going to just throw this one up for you. Sure. I believe a lot of shoulder pain that people experience that they attribute to RA can be coming from the position of muscles between the spine and the shoulder blade, just that two inches or Absolutely. one inch. Absolutely. Can you talk about so, that, please? Yes. There is a, a muscular conditions, more of a dysfunction of muscles called upper cross syndrome. It's based off of the work. There was a a medical doctor by the name of Vladimir Yanda a long time ago. You can Google that and have fun (laughs) looking up all about him. But so, uh, but there's a, there's a condition called upper cross syndrome. Essentially what that, what that condition tells us is that certain muscles are turned off. Other muscles are turned on. And then that creates a dysfunctional mechanics of the whole shoulder girdle and when something's not moving the way that it's intended to move eventually it'll give you problems that spot that you were talking about Mm -hmm. basically where the neck meets the shoulder on top of that shoulder blade Mm -hmm. there's a few muscles that all are attaching through there and when someone has gone into that fight or flight mode because they've been in pain for so long those muscles adapt to that position so you can change that in a few ways because now I'm going to talk about something a little bit more in depth for just okay, a second. Okay, good. There, there's a concept uh, called reciprocal inhibition, okay, when it comes to muscles. Basically, for every muscle, there is one that does one thing and then there's another one that does the opposite. Okay, like a tricep, okay. bicep? Absolutely, just like that. Mm-hmm. So opposites can both contract at the same time. They can both squeeze. You can contract your bicep and your tricep at the same time, but both of them cannot shorten at the same time. They, right. they, they, you can't move your elbow in both directions at yep. the same time. Mm-hmm. So 
when you go to pick something up and you are using your bicep, you're picking up that grocery bag or whatever yeah. it is, you're thinking bag up. You're not thinking tricep, relax. No. <laughs> right? So right. That's, that's reciprocal inhibition. Yeah. If you turn on one muscle, the other one will turn off. Yep. So if we take that concept and apply it to that spot in the shoulder, yes. we can turn this off by turning on other things. Okay, yep, okay. I'm following. So now when it comes to that spot there, your uh, upper trap and levator scap, those muscles that go up through here, yep. the opposite muscle to help turn those off are the ones that do the opposite movement. Which are? Which are your mid and lower trapezius which are just below your shoulder blade. Okay. These are the muscles that, that give you that good posture yep. as far as that you're having. Yep. Yep. So there's an exercise that I, that I tell people that have that type of yep. muscular issue, not just people that have RA, but have that, that shoulder issue. It's called Brugger's. Okay. The, name's not, the name is not important, but what it does is. Uh-huh. Okay? Yeah, so let's do some brugas. <laughs> sure, because okay. so, I still get that problem from time to time. I stoop a lot, okay. even right now, as I'm speaking with you. I'm bent over, being right. tall, and having a very, you know, a, a, a sense of connection with people and a need to be included. I stoop a lot to remain on a similar eye level to people. And yeah, so I need some help with this. And even with our smartphones and computers right. and all that yeah. stuff, that goes hand in hand. Yeah. All right, so. We all have our own interpretation of what good posture is. If someone's like, Quinn, sit up straight. Yeah. You go, yes. Right. So we, we tend to we tend to do something like that. We all have our own meaning what it is. But so the first thing we do is that we sit up tall, mm-hmm. right? Comfortably tall. Again, the, the 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 principle of pain and discomfort, discomfort's okay, pain is not, still applies in pretty much everything that we're doing when we have a condition like this. So the first thing is tall. Right, mm-hmm. almost as if someone had a, a string there, and they're pulling you tall here. Yeah. Okay. The next is the is the position of the shoulders. So a lot of us know that we're supposed to have our shoulders back, but it's not as much that as it is rolled back and squeezed down. Okay. Now, if we haven't used these muscles in a long time, it can be like very very difficult to recruit those muscles. Mm-hmm. So the way we help ourselves do that is with our arms. In our hands, okay. Yeah. Now I know, I know, I know. We can't see what I'm doing with my hands, but essentially, you want to have them at bent at at, at the elbow, kind okay. of like, you know. This. Okay. Yep. At a right angle. Okay. Yep. And then what what we're going to do again? First thing is tall, then shoulders back, shoulders down. Now I'm going to open the palms and gently try to squeeze the shoulders as I push them down. Okay. Can you just tell what I'm doing? I can. Shoulders and uh, do we apply quite an effort down. quite an effort to pull those shoulders down? No. Uh, no, 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 no. It's it's all again one step forward. It's yeah. not three steps forward, two two steps yeah. back. Yeah. On an effort level, you want to use about maybe a twenty-five percent power. Okay. You yeah. want to just give it a little bit of a squeeze. Yeah. And then once you're there, you hold it mm-hmm. and breathe. Mm-hmm. Hold it and breathe. And what we're doing is that we are retraining those muscles to activate. That way, these ones turn off. And by doing this, this has other effects that will follow. As posture begins to improve, there's less stress on the joints. And then as function improves, uh, pain usually reduces as well. So what you do is you, I say, hold it for about 10 seconds. 
mm-hmm. and breathe and then relax you know, and control the movement. Mm-hmm. Again, shoulders back and down. The pressing of the shoulders is important. Yeah, good. I'll definitely now, do that. I wish I could tell you to do this exercise once and you'll be all better. Yeah. But, that, but that, that's simply not, not the truth. The, the reality is the more you do it, the better it gets. So yeah. this is a great habit to utilize if you are going shopping at the supermarket, walking yeah. throughout, throughout the park, doing it as much as you can whenever your brain is idle will help yes. develop that habit. That way you're able to do this without thinking about it. Yes, fantastic. Now I'm going to throw you a curveball because you've got sure. me thinking and all I'm doing now is just thinking of my own experiences sure. and thinking, well, if these are real for me, they're probably real for other people. Sometimes when I try and sit cross-legged and sit up straight to meditate with my hands in my lap in like a just, you know, you sit like a that kind of thing. Open. Your, yeah? yeah, I can watch other people that seemingly can sit in that position comfortably, but my upper back just gets so sore after literally three or four minutes in that position. And I don't know if it's because of the way my hips aren't positioned or, or my upper back, or if I just don't do it enough or what it is. And I end up invariably coming out of short meditations because I don't feel very good in my body. Is there, is there something that's easy for me to work on in that area? Yes. There's a few things to, to think about as far as with that. So one is is the muscles on your chest, mm-hmm. okay? your 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 pecs. Yeah. As the pecs get tighter, the, we get that rounded posture. Yes. Right. Yep. And as our center of gravity moves forward, yes. it'll start to put stress into that upper back. So what mm-hmm. I would recommend to to look into is to do like a chest stretch, like 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 a doorway chest yep. stretch. Yep. 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 Yeah. Now. Most people do the doorway chest stretch not the right way. You know? mm-hmm. Again, one goal is to help yourself and not hurt yourself in the process. Yes. <laughs> yes. You know, when it, when, when it comes to stretches. So yes. if, if you're doing a, a, a doorway stretch for your chest, you know, what you want to do is keep that arm at a 90 degree angle and then right. slightly higher. Okay. Yeah. And then that, that door is here and you're going to drag your chest through it. Oh, so, yeah, yep, gotcha. One of the most common mistakes that I see is that people have a tendency to want to look down and and kind of drag themselves down when they're doing that. Right, right, I wouldn't recommend doing that because that'll create a pinch in the front of the shoulder, especially Mm -hmm. if you have a lack of mobility in there. Yeah. But that one exercise we just talked about, that Brugger's, that's a good one. Um, The chest stretch going through there. I know that you have mentioned yoga before. Yes. Like the cat cow type of position. Okay. Right. Mo so that's where you're on all fours. Oh yes. Yes. Right. And you're gonna arch that back up and then down that way. Absolutely. Now if you want to get mobility in that upper part of your mid back, you'll want to walk your bottom back towards your heels, like towards the child pose. Yeah, gotcha. It's important to try to keep those arms as straight as you can. Yep. And then you can go up and then down and do a few sets of 10 repetitions to just gently help encourage uh, proper mo- movement through those joints. All right. That one's, uh, that one's straightforward. I can definitely do that. Yeah. Moving from the, uh, yeah, the, the names escape me a little bit, even though I've done so many classes. Google. So, yes. Yeah, so out in front and you're in the, uh, the cat where the back goes right up arching into the black cat thing, but then push your, push your buttocks back down towards your heels and get that stretch while keeping your arms out straight. 
Right. And by doing so, it'll, it'll change where the fulcrum is in that movement to your upper back instead of your lower back. Gotcha. Gotcha. And, uh, and then I guess on top of doing those things, just the repetition of the, uh, the meditative position and also the shoulders back and down, chest out sort of thing, all these things will slowly help to be, make it all easier. Yeah, baby steps. That's it. That's it. All right, let's see. Now, I had a short list of things I wanted to make sure, sure. I covered with you. Is there any mistakes that we can make with massage? Absolutely. There's many different types of massage, you know, and I am not implying by by any means that massage therapy is not helpful but we have to be extra careful with people who who suffer from rheumatoid arthritis especially so so again it all falls into less is more so i would be very careful with like deep tissue massage work i would go a little bit lighter even if if people feel like they can handle it yeah because 12 hours later or six hours later (laughs) people often are regretting it when they have the rheumatoid yeah. because their body has such a, a large reaction to that. So I would say sticking more so about a medium pressure is okay. On a yeah. scale of 0 to 10, 10 being the worst pain imaginable, 0 is no pain at all. Try to keep the your your personal pain threshold. You know, I I would say no higher than a 5 or a 6. Yeah. 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 You know? Um I had this is a was repeatedly for me a massive issue was when some massage therapists, particularly of the sort of uh, that um, Asian kind of part of the world, when I would see um, some Chinese massage therapists, and um, actually they were all in that category. Uh, in Sydney, yeah. there's a huge number of uh, Chinese massage therapists available. And I think for most people, it's fabulous. But I was going to them and they really want to massage into the joints themselves. And massaging into the joints themselves caused me excruciating pain that lasted days afterwards. And so unless you've seen otherwise, my recommendations would never be push into a swollen joint. Definitely not. (laughs) A way to help avoid uh, injuries from massage therapy is if you go to a physician's office, whether it's a medical doctor or a chiropractor or even a doctor of physical therapy, the world is changing. So a lot of a lot of healthcare clinics do an integrated team approach, right? It's not a this or that thing. And we, we typically will have massage therapists that do manual therapy on our team. Yes. So when we well, like for example, when when I have someone that comes to me and they want to know if massage therapy will help them or, yes. or not. You know, I'll do an examination and look at their case particularly. And then we'll walk over and, and communicate with the therapist and say, hey, this is Clint. This is what's going on. This is the type of muscle work and manual therapy that would most be appropriate for him and, and his, his condition. That way we can help guide, guide the healthcare and avoid the, the, the injuries that can happen. Yeah. So, so again, I would say look for an integrated office that does that does multiple things that's yep. guided under underneath the supervision of of, of a doctor. Yeah, that's what my uh, one of my best chiropractic friends, uh, Mark Whitfield, who's based out of Brisbane in Australia. His clinic's the same. Sometimes he thinks that uh, massage therapy would be very beneficial to begin the uh, treatment. And then, um, you know, it's, it's just part of the whole care, right? So you've got, in, you've got that same thing going on, which is brilliant. 
So let's talk about um, where people can get some more help if they wanted to see you directly. You came to the Anaheim Convention, so I am guessing that you're not too far away from there. I, well, my mother lives in Anaheim. I practice over in Redondo Beach in California. Okay. Yeah, so Southern California. The office is Good Life Chiropractic and Good Life Physical Medicine. So we're just down there at the beach at, at, uh, at, at Redondo Beach. So the best way to contact me is probably through email, or you can always call the office. Mm-hmm. You can look, look us up on Yelp, and that has all of our information. That's usually where a lot of people find, find things now, nowadays. But my email, if you want to ask me a question, yep. is goodlife, G-O-O-D-L-I-F-E, period, Dr. Matt, D-R-M-A-T-T, at gmail.com. So goodlife.drmatt at gmail.com. Okay. Um, that, that's my uh, direct email. So you can always shoot me a question or, hey, I heard about this. What, what do you do with that? Um, but if, you would, if, you know, if people want to see me one-on-one as far as you know, face-to-face, and the best thing to do is to call and schedule an appointment. Um, mm. Our number is 310-543-7779. Okay, fantastic. That's brilliant. Well, I know that you've done so many wonderful things for your mum. She is really the biggest fan of your work. And if ever there was an example of someone with rheumatoid arthritis who got tremendous outcome from, from chiropractic work, working with you, then uh, she's certainly it. So uh, I encourage anyone who's uh, considering getting some chiropractic work to uh, to check out your contact details and getting in touch. And uh, you have seen your mum do tremendously well, haven't you? Not just throughout your Absolutely. health, but also with the work that she's done with, with my program. Oh, well, the, the Patterson program is the foundation for, for the progress. You know, when, when this all started, you know, the, it, 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 it's a scramble. Right. It's what do you do? Yeah. Right. Because in the healthcare world and in the medical world, in our, you know, in our, in our medical textbooks, you know, guidance textbooks for physiology and all that stuff, you know, it gives, this is the condition. This is what causes it with the case of rheumatoid that we, they don't know. Right. Mm-hmm. As far as with that. So, you know, food, you know, should have an effect. So I want to figure out what foods to eat. You know, we all know fruits and vegetables are, are good for you, but, and then some people were thinking that maybe other things are helpful, but you know, there's a lot of diets and the, the information can get very, very uh, confusing, especially from a standpoint of someone who, you know, that's not their background. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, most of what we have in the supermarkets is you know, not really food anymore. That's right. You know, it's not. You know, 40, 50 years ago, there wasn't organic and not organic. There was, there was just, Fruits and vegetables. That's it. So, as with all things that, that I do, especially when it comes to the health care of my family, my loved ones, I do my due diligence. I research everything about everything and make sure that, that it holds up to scrutiny with that. So, I've looked through dozens and dozens and dozens of different diets and things not to eat and stuff like that. And all of the, all of the programs that I found besides yours, there was always a large section, things in there that I didn't agree with, things that physiologically... And from a from an actual like healthcare perspective, didn't make sense, you know. But I, I have read through your entire program and been with my mother with every step that she has done with this. And the Patterson program is the only thing that I agree with completely. There's not anything in there 
that doesn't make sense. Mm. And once we started to see changes with that, you know, now changing your, your, your diet and the other parts that go with it is very difficult, you know, but pain is a very good motivator. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I know it, it's not funny, but it, it, it's, uh, but pain is, it is a really good motor. We will avoid pain. So if, if I tell somebody the food you're eating is making you sick and if you don't want to hurt anymore, you can't eat this. And you, you know, then they're a lot, a lot more likely to listen to what I got to say. So, but the, the, uh, the Patterson program is, is given my mother the control and autonomy of herself and of her pain. So I get people that come through the office that, you know, that will mark down rheumatoid and they'll tell me that everything hurts and stuff. I, I refer them over, over to you. And I say, you know what? It, it's really difficult to, to figure out what, 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 what to do on your own. You know, here, here is a how to, this is how you do it. And, with rheumatoid because it, it affects, you know, in the grand scheme of things, such a small percentage of the population. When someone all of a sudden gets that, that diagnosis of rheumatoid, they feel alone. Yeah. You know, their friends, their family, they don't get it. They all try to help. Like, Oh, you should do this. You should do yeah, that. Yeah, but yeah, after yeah. you, after people have failed a dozen times, they tend to give up. Mm-hmm. But anyway, it, it has really given the control over this. And I, recommended 100%. And, well, and that's not just because we're talking. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah, yeah. No, you mentioned that to me uh, when we met. So uh, I recommend it because it works. Great. That's the main thing. <laughs> that's it? really what it is. <laughs> so um, thank you. Well, uh, I think we've covered a whole bunch of stuff. I, uh, I'm i happy with the, the list that I wanted to, to cover with you. And um, it's, you know, it, it's an area I think that is underutilized by most people uh, with rheumatoid. And um, if if people are not in your geographical area, then I recommend contacting a local chiropractor and giving it a go. Go in, uh, see what the specialist says, uh, have a session, see how you feel afterwards because there is a great deal to gain and um, and uh, lots of lots of positive things can come out of it. So if, if I might add just one little tidbit on that when people are looking for a chiropractor, yeah. you know because you know, if they're not in the area or, you know, have a chiropractor that, that they, that has been helping them. Um, you know, it's important that people with, with rheumatoid, if they're going to have their necks adjusted to have a full physical examination, you know, not, you know, it has to be done diligently. You have to go through all the things. X-ray mm-hmm. I do most of the time on people. And that's because if we're going to be moving any of the joints in the neck, we must know what is going on with those joints and exactly what, it's happening with that person's neck in in particular. We must be careful with the top of the neck in particular because rheumatoid attacks the ligaments and can and can create some instability in the top of the neck. So, so the chiropractor should be very very careful of the top of the neck. Mm-hmm. Um, just and 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 and, that, and that's just from from what I have seen clinically as far as with that. You know, so again, the the, the chiropractor should be diligent should listen to you, should do a full examination. The adjustments should not hurt. That That is a big thing. Adjustments should not hurt. Mm-hmm. Discomfort is okay, but pain is not. Mm-hmm. You know, and less is more. You know, typically with people with rheumatoid, they respond much, much better when you're only adjusting a few areas 
and not just everything when, when, when we're talking about rheumatoid, yeah. just because the body can get overwhelmed. So yeah. anyways, you know, you must, must find someone who is good at what they do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and open to working with the other people on, on our team, you know, other doctors, other massage therapists, other physical therapists, you know, the best approach is a team approach, but finding, finding, finding a doctor of all kinds that is open and, you know, honestly wanting to work with everybody that is on their team is important. Okay. Fantastic. All right. Well, thanks for that, Matt. And I uh, look yeah. forward to uh, talking with you again down the track and uh, keeping in touch uh, a lot with your mum, who once again is doing great. And a lot of it's due to your help. So thanks so much. And yours. Thank you, Clint. You've been listening to the Patterson Program. For more information, visit pattersonprogram.com.